Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. Marguerite Rigoglioso is back with us, and we're going to be talking about what many of us learned in Sunday school, divine birth, as described in her book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception. The way I heard it, Mary was a humble woman whom God picked to impregnate, and the poverty-stricken couple gave birth in an animal enclosure, eating out of a trough. Does that sound about right? <laughs> That's how I learned it. Welcome, Marguerite. Yep. Hi. Nice to be back. <laughs> a simple little story of humble people. That's right. Not quite right. Yeah, not quite right. <laughs> so let's, gosh, where do we get into this? Because I really want to spend some time talking about immaculate conception because it's something we don't do interviews on and people don't write books about normally. Yes, correct. So first of all, make your first comment about how that didn't happen that way. And then we're going to talk about divine birth in other ancient cultures, not just in the Christian tradition. Yeah. Well, I've been researching this for more than a decade now about divine birth. And I discovered that there was this whole tradition in ancient Greece, not only in ancient Greece, but in ancient Rome and all over the world, in the ancient Middle East, in Northern Africa, all over Native American traditions have what I call divine birth traditions, okay? Mary comes out of that. She's not the first, she's not the only, and she's not the last woman to have divinely conceived. But what I learned is that this is not something that happens accidentally. This is not something that all of a sudden descends on a woman. This was actually a practice of women in lineages going back thousands and thousands of years. And so Mary was in that lineage of this practice. Her mother Anne before her gave birth to her divinely. Their relative Elizabeth divinely gave birth to John the Baptist, and Sarah, the, the mother of the biblical Isaac, miraculously gave birth, and many, many others. So we're talking about a longstanding tra tradition. And we'll talk about the various ways in which this has occurred, because yes. it seems like there, there are numerous ways in which this was achieved. Yes. But the interesting thing to me in reading uh, some of the chapters from your forthcoming book is that the reason for doing so, first of all, you took very uh, women with advanced knowledge, you know, that were already uh, high initiates, and you wanted to preserve that knowledge slash bloodline. So it was really about not disturbing the bloodline by putting, injecting the DNA from an outside bloodline in. Yes. As I understand it, is that correct? Very much. And the other piece of that is to bring in a divine star being bloodline. Mm -hmm. Right, because that's what it was all being set up for, yeah. is high-frequency body, high-frequency entity being able to uh, take that body and offer what it's come to do in this life, in that given lifetime or incarnation. Definitely, because the purpose was to bring in the avatar, to mm -hmm. bring in the holy being, mm -hmm. the one who could periodically give humanity an uplift yes. after humanity had started to degenerate, and yes. this has happened you know, time and time again. So in, for example, the Haudenosaunee, often known as the Iroquois tradition, you have the peacemaker who came in, uplifted those people, and they were able to stop warring and then unite the five and six 
Iroquois Nations. Confederacy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one example. Jesus is another example. We're um, going to go into a few others a yeah, bit down there, there and talk about the ways in which they are said yes. to have arrived here. Mm -hmm. But so we're talking about biological parthenogenesis. Yes. So explain what that means, and then we'll go into the various iterations of how these beings came came through. Yeah, parthenogenesis comes from parthenos and gignesthai, two Greek words. Parthenos more or less means virgin or maiden, and gignesthai means to be born. So it means to be born of a virgin or maiden, meaning biologically conception without male sperm. And so oftentimes this would be women having sex, so to speak, in their own minds and in their own their own energy field with a divine being. Right. Well, initially, this is I find these like four phases. Right. Initially, it was them having a kind of a divine encounter with themselves as goddess, as universe. That's divine parthenogenesis, and the early stages of conception could happen that way. Then there was a second phase where they would have conception and it would result in, the first stage would result in a female child, okay? Mm -hmm. Because this is, the woman's eggs are, she's basically replicating herself essentially. X. Yeah, X -X. the X chromosomes. <laughs> right. But in a, no in a later phase of this, the women would be able to conceive, self-conceive, but conceive a male child. But it was still parthenogenesis. Mm -hmm. Then, what, a little bit what you were talking about, there was the phase where the women started going into this ritual, it would be a very deep, high-level ritual, attempting parthenogenesis, and all of a sudden they would be met by the presence of a male god. And then it would become a kind of a sexual encounter, and initially... Between dimensions. Between dimensions, mm -hmm. and we have stories all over the world mm -hmm. of, of women having sex with gods, essentially. Mm -hmm. But this really initially wasn't a welcome thing. This was more like a rape seduction, mm -hmm. okay? And that's where, where all the raped maidens of the Greek tradition mm -hmm. represent that phase of it. As that further degenerated, the women started then not being able to fight that, fight that whole wave, and so they started cultivating it. And they started actively having these rituals and rites of having sex with these gods. And this is how, for example, the Egyptian pharaohs came in. Well, actually, it was before. The, the Egyptian pharaohs is a later stage. But this would be the woman having sex with a god and then giving birth. So we have many stories of, you know, Apollo and Zeus and in the Greek tradition, for example. And then a later stage of this is they would have a male priest as the stand-in actor for the god. Like it started right. degenerating, degenerating, to where degenerating. Need, they needed a physical presence. A physical presence. Male presence, yes. And that was Egypt, okay? So mm -hmm. the, the male pharaoh would kind of get out of the way and then the god would come in and would impregnate the woman. But at that point, then because there was a male f biological body, they could claim the child in the male line. And this, has, this had implications, and let, we're going to talk about the implications because then the mother, who was usually a priestess or a very high yeah, initiate, queen. no longer had the ability to kind of inculcate her knowledge into the child or the son. Absolutely. It was taken into the, under the domain of the men, and a whole different type of development occurred as a result of that, as you would, yes. as you would think. So yes. first of all, let's talk about the role of the virgin, why virgins, and these are often, we have to remember historically, girls 
were conceiving and having babies from the age of 13 and 14 commonly throughout all different societies around the world. Now, yeah. not in Atlanta in ancient times, so time ran differently, age ran differently, but in modern history, this was common. Yeah, so why virginity? For a woman to give birth to a certain type of being, this kind of star being, let's say, for simplicity's sake, she needs to retain the purity of her womb space. And there is something about the entry of a male into the womb space that disrupts that particular thing. It's fine. It adds another energetic it imprint. It adds another energetic right. imprint. It's fine for conceiving the mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. most people conceive. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like that's an impure act. But you're trying to keep a pure bloodline in this case. Yeah, and you're, and you're, you're trying to keep the woman's integrity and connection with divine mm -hmm. Sophia, as we might call her. Strict feminine divine consciousness, right? And if you bring a male into that, it switches it. So the virginity has to be there for energetic purposes and for the vibration of the being that can be incarnated. That is what that was all about. And a lot of these priestesshoods in ancient Greece and elsewhere required the women and the girls to be virgins because they were conducting all sorts of divine powers. And they could not have that introduction of the male element into their space while they were doing that. So many, most of the Greek priestesses were virgins, or if they came into a priestesshood, like later at Delphi, they had to become celibate. Right, that's what I was just okay. going to bring up, Delphi, yes. All right. So that it was important to, again, maintain one's energies and their direct connection yeah. and not have it dissipated through relationships with others. Exactly, yeah. but that became used, of course, later as a sign of moral purity that was then impressed and forced on all girls and all women. And that's not what it's, been, it's meant to do. It was a tool. Interestingly, this is off topic, but on because you brought that up. There is a movement happening right now, and there was apparently a, a Congress of people gathering where young women in strict Christian faiths are leaving their faiths. Mm -hmm. And a big part of it is because they're tired of having that kind of morality imposed upon them, but not the husbands, of having to literally allow the male to have dominance over them. And they're not, they're bucking that and saying, we're not, we don't want to live that tradition anymore. Yeah. We don't feel that's our truth anymore. Right. And it's a fairly sizable movement occurring right now. Yeah. And yes, of course, many people will not want the virginity requirement imposed on them. Yeah. I think that what that what understanding what the virginity is really all about is it allows women to make clearer choices about if they want to go into a certain kind of a spiritual path they can willingly embrace the virginity without feeling like they absolutely have to for moral purity reasons but rather they're doing it for a certain energetic holy womb chakra reason mm -hmm. whereas women who do not want do not want that do not have to go there and they and they can still be just as holy in fact there's a whole tantric divine sexuality with men path that's mm -hmm. just as holy right. but it's just a different thing right? right so we're getting clear now with this work about what virginity is why and how and where it does and doesn't need to be imposed on women. Right. And this practice did run through bloodlines. This is yeah. all over in all these traditions. Definitely. So let's talk about a few of them, uh, which you mentioned in your book. And one of them had to do, well, you talked about Sarah, yeah. who conceived Isaac as, as quite an elderly woman. Yes. Right? Right. 
And see, that's also something that I'm starting to realize that the, uh, the concept of elderly was very different. Mm -hmm. there, was, there was a whole continuum because what I'm discovering is that the women who were in this virgin birth practice may never have been menstruating from day one because they were on a purification diet. So Which therefore, that yeah, ceases the whole cycle. Ceases the menstruation yeah. because menstruation is used to purify the system. Mm -hmm. When you already have a pure diet, you don't need to purify the system. Mm -hmm. So they live more all, ascetic lives. Yes, in that sense. more yes. ascetic lives. So so there was this continuum. It it wasn't like oh these girls were menstruating and then they stopped menstruating and now these older women are somehow conceiving. It's it's that this purification was happening throughout their lives, so it's almost as though it was a seamless into elderhood. So these women could still conceive into what we consider elderhood, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes it took the women the whole lifetime to be able to get there. So that's where we have Sarah. That's where we have Mary's mother, Anne. That's where we have their relative Elizabeth, who conceived John the Baptist, mm -hmm. right? These, sometimes it took a very, very long time for them to achieve it. And their partners were never conjugal husbands, okay? So Abraham, my research shows that Abraham was not the conjugal husband of Sarah. Joachim was not the conjugal husband of Anne, and Joseph was not the conjugal husband, at least initially, of Mary. They were guardians, sacred guardians, who would support them energetically in their role mm -hmm. of divine birth priestess, essentially. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And with Mary, which we'll get into a little bit later, she did end up having a normal life, normal relations, and, and other children as yes, well. Yes, later. But we'll get into that in a bit. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Taoism and Lao Tzu. His mother, Lao, apparently was impregnated after witnessing a falling star? Yeah, yeah. There are these types of little codes that when I started looking at these, I realized, okay, this is a divine birth story right? Mm -hmm. Witnessing a falling star. In other words, she was opening her vessel to receive the star being probably because she was trained, you know, but that's the part of the story we don't hear, that she was trained. We right. barely hear what her name is, and it focuses on the child. And so what's happening now is the resurrection of the women in these practices, mm -hmm. right? Zoroaster, same thing. Her mother, his mother drank Soma. Soma, yes. Okay. And that means she was using a ritual medicine. Mm-hmm to open her consciousness, and probably all these women were using ritual medicines to get to the requisite state where they could start communicating with the star beings that were helping, the angel Gabriels, so to speak, that were helping with this process. And there, you know, there are many, many other stories like this. Well, when you say the notion of a falling star, what, what is that? Was that metaphorical for a being? A being. Yes, of course. Yeah. Right into but the, to her consciousness, oh. it appeared yes. as a falling star. And to the people later who were writing that down, that's yes. what they could make sense of, right? Yes. Yeah. And so on this planet, on Earth, you also chronicle that there have been species, most of them seem to fall into the reptile species yeah. of creatures that have been able to self-replicate. So it's not unknown of on this no. planet, it is within other species. Yeah, oftentimes you hear of, especially when they're in captivity, snakes, mm -hmm. sharks. Stressed, um, extremely stressed mm -hmm. and unable to reproduce normally. Yeah, you, you, mm -hmm. you hear that. And then there have been scientific studies that have induced parthenogenesis in rabbits, in sea urchins, in mice. Mm -hmm. And 
I had spoken to a researcher where his mouse experiment, where he instigated the meiosis of the mouse egg through chemicals and put it back, put them back into the mice mothers, the National Institutes of Health shut that experiment down. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Presumably too challenging. for ethical. Mm. Yeah, too challenging yeah. to our, our, our tightly held belief systems. Mm -hmm. But I, I know women who have had miraculous births. You wrote about one of them in the book, too, that another yeah. man had chronicled. So yeah. talk about that one, for yeah. example. Um, yes, so this woman, interesting. whose pseudonym is Lori, mm -hmm. back in 1976, believe it or not, on Christmas Eve, she experienced, now she had been doing all of these practices. She was a breatharian. She was a deeply, deeply spiritual woman. This didn't all of a sudden just happen to her walking down the street, yeah. right? She experienced a flash of light and a messenger telling her that she was pregnant. And indeed, she was pregnant. It was verified medically. It was verified by a Hopi elder that she went to. And there was a whole, there's a whole story. It, it's yes. Den Poitras who writes about it in his book called Parthenogenesis. It's an amazing, amazing story. But the child was only able to live three months. And that's, there's another child that I know that also died early. Why do you think that is? <clears throat> a few different reasons. I think the vibration of the planet can't hold it yet. Mm -hmm. I also do think that there are eyes on these children and they get noticed and they get taken out. So that's the thing. There needs to be a lot of protection around this process when, when it does happen. And that's why, you know, as we may discuss, Mary had a retinue of virgin priestesses that were around her, mm -hmm. the Basilina in ancient Athens, who would have sex with Dionysus and presumably give birth to his child, was surrounded by 14 gerarai, these sacred elder women who held the space. These women weren't just doing it alone. There was a retinue around them of protection mm -hmm. because we know what's going on in this realm with all of the attacks on the planet. And so, of course, they're going to be Especially to those right that on. are particularly advanced. Yeah. So let's go into an area that a lot of our viewers are already familiar with and, mm -hmm. and, and get your understanding behind it, which is the Nephilim. Yeah. The whole notion of the daughters of men uh, procreating with the gods and the species of giants that followed. And the notion of giants have been chronicled around the world. These yeah. are physical beings that existed. Uh, they existed in the days of Atlantis. They emigrated to other places. And so they're commonly chronicled even in you know, the United States and Asia, Europe, all over. Yes. Yes. So we, I will talk about the Nephilim and that whole situation. Mm -hmm. On the continuum is something that your, your listeners will also be interested in, which is the alien impl impregnations and implantations. That, that is on this same continuum of human sexual relations or abductions or rapes by interdimensional beings. And in some cases, by their own cooperation. I, I won't yeah. name her name, but I've interviewed one woman who's well known who states she had a relationship with, in her case, a particular a reptilian being. Okay. And there you go. Well, And they had know. a full-on relationship, um, just kind of phased off this reality from, so... It seems There's to have so every much single that can go story on. around this. Yes, because some of these beings can be what we would consider friendly. Yeah. There's a whole history exactly. of, of, of spirit marriage, mm -hmm. okay? 
and some are not friendly, and some it's willing, and some it isn't willing. But to go back to the Nephilim, so these are considered essentially the children, the products of these women being impregnated by what were called the Watchers, or these angelic beings, who were, quote, as high as the heavens. In other words, they were right. giants. They were literally overseeing the development of the human species and, and the other kingdoms here. And what happened is they really liked the female women. Some of them. Some they of them. They had a split. Okay, they yeah. had a split, right? Mm -hmm. The negative ones were like, hmm, they're looking pretty attractive. They wanted to start getting into the sexual activity with them. So what they would do, and this is in the Testament of Reuben, which is one of these Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. It's, it's kind of no one is really sure whether this is part of the Hebrew tradition, yeah, whether right. it was made up by the Christians, whatever. Right. But it, it, these are supposed to be the sons of Jacob in their last words and their teachings and everything. So in the, in the Testament of Reuben, it talks about how the watchers before the flood, I believe, they would see these human women and they would see these human women having sexual relations with their husbands and their partners. And these negative ones were saying, wow, you know, that looks pretty juicy. So they would get in there and they would get into the thought forms of the woman. All right, this is, and this is relevant because this is exactly how the gods would seduce, rape, the priestesses who would be right in the middle of a virgin birth conception ritual, okay? It was a similar thing. The woman would be having sex. These watchers would make themselves into a very attractive human male image. And the woman is getting... And project that into her project mind. Project that into her mind. And the woman is starting to get seduced and attracted by this image. And it was, it's akin to when a person is having sexual relations with someone and starts fantasizing about another person. Exactly. Kind okay. of a hopped up desire happening. All right. Yeah. And so these women would end up having astral sex with the image. In other words, with the watcher. Mm -hmm. And the telltale sign of this and the fact that the pregnancy had come from the watcher and not the husband is that the children would be the Nephilim who were tall as giants. So that's how these Nephilim literally got onto the planet then. So it wasn't by physical Congress. Not it with was those projected energetic imprint, which was a very strong one. A holographic. That actually affected the... the Genetics. Yes, a holographic, high-tech way of getting involved in the sex So act. did most of these women die in birth? What happened? No, they were able to... How could... The how, child... I never understood this part. There's so many conflicting parts. it's... To what give birth to a giant as a... Right, okay, well, what I'm getting right now is that it was still a baby. It wasn't a giant till it grew up. Right, but so, it, wasn't an, it wasn't a larger proportion no. being as a mm -mm, baby? no. Okay. That's okay. what I'm being shown right okay. now. Yeah, so. So that's where the Nephilim. Yeah, that's where the Nephilim come from. That's your information from. on where it came from. Yeah, and yeah. then these big Nephilim would be walking around the planet like that. And in what you've read and been shown, did they possess certain levels of knowledge and abilities beyond the normal human at that time? The women? No, the Nephilim. The Nephilim. The yeah. offspring. They would, you know, they, they would possess the information of the Watchers, mm -hmm. okay? Now, if though the Watchers were negative, basically essentially doing an unethical act in, in, in intermingling with humans, because there were injunctions mm -hmm. against this, as mm -hmm. we know, 
the Nephilim were also getting that energy frequency of those particular watchers, right? So they were having both elevated knowledge and then shady aspects. Well, yeah, they would have hybridized bodies and hybridized knowledge bases. Exactly. So they would appear to be kind of as gods among men on one level, which also had the detrimental effect of dismantling the matriarchy. It did. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. So to switch over specifically from talking about the Nephilim to these other beings, in the Greek tradition you have Theseus, Perseus, and Heracles. All were divinely born through rape seductions by Zeus into their mother's divine birth rites. And so these sons of the god were born and they had tremendous powers, mm-hmm. Theseus, Perseus, and, and, uh, and also we'll throw in there a historical one, Alexander the Great. His mother, Olympias, had sex with Zeus Amon in his form of the Egyptian serpent being, okay? These beings would have supernatural powers because always children born in a divine sort of way would have these elevated powers. But if the condition of the pregnancy and the condition of the male being doing it and the condition of the female were not of the highest level vibration, as in the case was with Mary, then the being, again, would be of an ambiguous, ambivalent kind of uh, characterization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you have Hercules who went about dismantling through all of his 12 labors, almost each one you can, I I write about in in, uh, Virgin Mother Goddesses of Antiquity, was dismantling the matriarchy or women. Perseus was forced to cut the head off of Medusa, who was a virgin birth priestess. And Theseus seduced Helen and essentially abducted her before Paris ever even did. So, you know, there are many, many problems with these beings coming on. So what was once a practice to elevate humanity, get it back to its original blueprint, of of course started getting infiltrated Mm -hmm. and used to foment Mm -hmm. the very patriarchy that that the tradition was originally started to address. Right. And so then you have this continuous development of patriarchy until the divine birth priestesshoods just become nuns right. without even the technology knowledge of how to give birth. Right. The Vestal Virgins who become, their womb power becomes siphoned off to fuel Rome. Their wombs and the fire of Rome were the same thing. Okay, so their, their, their yoni power, their holy womb power was being used to, to fuel the whole reptilian Roman empire. In secret, 
which is something I'm going to be, uh, that I write about in the mystery tradition of miraculous conception. In secret, they were having sexual relations and giving birth to other leaders, okay? And we only know that through two of the rogue emperors who let that slip. But that was a very, very occult piece that they were doing behind the scenes. But then after that, you get the Catholic nuns who are completely cut off from womb power, and right. they are strictly virgins. Bless their hearts, and this is not dedicated at all. Dedicated to their father. Dedicated to their father. And this is not to insult yeah. nuns who are, do many, many beautiful mm -hmm. and important things in the world, but it's just to suggest that there has been a very great disempowerment of their lineages. Yes. Let's go back to something that is, we were kind of touching in when you were talking about uh, Anne giving birth to Mary, Mary giving birth to Jesus, and that is mother-daughter twinning, Yeah, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. It even mentions in some texts where Mary gave birth to herself. Oh. So that's interesting. I can share that with you later, but yeah. go ahead. Cool. So let's talk about <laughs> this twinning and this possibility of using the mind to be able to replicate. Yeah. So this is the original type of parthenogenesis. Mm -hmm. And some would say the original type of reproduction of humans to begin with. That is a very esoteric thing that probably goes back to Lemuria. How did we originate reproduction? How were we, were we a female, female, female only line? You know, there are teachers who talk about there. There um, are some esoteric ancient texts that say we were neither Right, and it was, but it was a kind of a we self-replication, yes, self-replicating mm -hmm. androgyny, mm -hmm. and then once the sexes split, it became a self-replicating feminine mm -hmm. twinning. Okay, so parthenogenesis, female-wise, it's not because a woman's eggs are all individual; they're not an exact re replica of the mother. Parthenogenesis of one of those eggs is not an exact twinning of the, of the woman, but it's energetically felt as one, uh, felt as a twinning. So you have the Demeter and Persephone story, where Persephone, if we take Zeus out of the equation, which probably was the case in the original story, Demeter is self-replicating herself into Persephone. And Persephone was getting ready to self-replicate herself when Hades came into it and raped her you see, and then gave birth to Dionysus. We're talking about a female, female, female line. And so with Anne, the mother of Mary, as we find out in what's called the Infancy Gospel of James, which is what I base my book on, it's a whole esoteric analysis of that Infancy Gospel. She would have been doing that original practice. Mm -hmm of giving birth to herself, and it, would, it was coming out as Mary, who is her own personality, but a replication of the great High Holy Sophia, you mm -hmm. see. That's where it's, it's women replicating the goddess mm -hmm. energy. So now we move to Mary. Yeah. Okay, and we'll spend our conversation on, on okay. Mary from this point forward. So Mary, the way you understand it, actually gave birth to Jesus in a cave. Yeah, that's what that gospel tells us, yeah. because they were in transit, mm -hmm. and she and Joseph were in transit. 
in well, the desert. Apparently, there was quite a few little challenges along yeah, the way. Yeah, they had this a journey. lot of different. Yeah, we could mm -hmm. spend forever on that, but it mm -hmm. will be in the book. <laughs> right, right, right. And they went into a cave, which is, of course, the original location of ritual for humanity, for women, for birthing rituals, for death rituals, and so forth. So, yes, it was a cave. That's where it happened. And there were these miraculous things that happened around a light emanating from the cave and so forth, and uh, the witnessing of two different midwives and so forth to the process. So let's talk about, let's stick with, with Mary, the vibration of the name Mary, and who Mary was as a being, and her influence on her son. And let's just go into the story of Mary. Take it away. Yeah. Yeah, so Mary, one of the very important teachings to have come in this time in recent decades is from Sh Swami Sri Kaleshwar, who is a now deceased Hindu saint. But he brought through information that was on the ancient palm leaf manuscripts from India, and he also claimed to have past life recall of being with the Holy Family. We also have information coming through someone like Claire Hartsong, where she channeled in her Anna, Grandmother of Jesus book and so forth much, much more about the Holy Family and who Mary was than we have been given. I particularly like Sri Kaleshwar's information because it corresponds with what I intuited from that gospel, the infancy gospel of James, starting with her name, the vibration of her name. It would have been Mariam originally, okay? And there's a, a scholar named D.M. Murdoch who traces that to the, the word Mary in Egyptian which basically meant love, divine love. Mm -hmm. So her name was all about the beloved, the beloved one, the one who loves, the one who is divine love, right? So right off the bat, we have that name, which became a priestess title. That's why we have all of these Marys running around. <laughs> well, even in Egyptian uh, history, Mary Totten, for example, yeah, okay. it runs throughout. Exactly. It was a title related also to Isis, who was a yes. previous incarnation mm -hmm. of Mary. Mary had many, many incarnations. That's the thing. Sri Kaleshwar said she had millions of incarnations before she was able to perfect herself and go into the final lifetime that she had for her ascension. And just as Jesus was able to help people release a whole bunch of karma, Mary, by his sacrificial death, Mary, through all of the processes that she went through, is enabling people to ascend much more quickly. Now people are not going to have to go through a million lifetimes like she did in order to experience their ascension, or what I call their incension, because it's an interior process. So she was very learned through lifetimes and lifetimes of study. And in this lifetime, the one we know of her as Mary, Kaleshwar talks about, and she had a protocol. She would sleep from 11 to 2 a.m. From 2 to 3, she would be meditating. From 3 to 5, she would be talking to the angels, channeling, okay, every day of her life. And she was doing these mantra practices, and she was working with sacred symbols, yantras. This was part of it. It was a whole program that she was involved in in this lifetime, which is also available to women today. And I've been going through that process of, it's a mantra purification process of your holy womb chakra. So we're not just talking about history here and, oh, great for Mary, but you know, what about the rest of us? No, this is something that's applicable, and that is why it's awakening now. 
because we are in this very intense time where we're moving into fifth dimensional consciousness. We have the capacity and you know we can start accelerating very, very quickly. So she was an extremely learned woman. She was a very open channel. She was a prophet. She was a healer. She was a teacher. She was the main teacher of the whole Christed enterprise during Jesus' life and afterward. And you say she was really his, his primary teacher. Primary was teacher. Was his mother. Yes, they were and soulmates. That's what Sri Kaleshwar uses that exact term, soulmates. And I find that so beautiful because a soulmate can be many different things, but it's just a deep, deep soul connection. They were not married or, right. you know, having a, any kind of relationship like that. That was for Mary Magdalene, okay? He was also soulmated with Mary Magdalene. But you also say that she was a teacher to Mary Magdalene. She was a teacher to so Mary Magdalene. So talk about that relationship. Yeah. In, in a book by Maximus, it's attributed to Maximus, called The Life of the Virgin. That's an apocryphal gospel. These are all apocryphal, meaning they've been thrown out by the Catholic Church. Yeah. But we find out that she was Magdalene's teacher. She helped mentor Magdalene to become one of the apostles, to become equal to Peter, right? And she was also Magdalene. So it's very clear in, in the writings there that Magdalene was learning from her, mm -hmm. okay? And Magdalene was being the wife of Jesus by one storyline, that means that Mary was her mother-in-law. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. You know, mother-in-law and very teacher. Important. Yeah, mother-in-law and teacher. So no, in Sunday school, Mary Magdalene's a whore. Come on, let's get well, this straight. Well, you know, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, we have had the, the awakening to Mary Magdalene, right? Over the last several decades with yeah. all these books that have been coming out, the Da Vinci Code and so forth. So now this is Mary's time. With, right. with this work that's, that I'm bringing forth, essentially, we are coming to understand her in a whole different way by understanding her divine birth in a real way that intelligent people can get with that is explainable suddenly. That has historical precedent. Has, yes, it's, it's, it's part of something that was going on worldwide. And also by looking at her apocryphal gospels to see who she really was and then hearing from channelers like Shri Kaleshwar, and he wouldn't identify himself as a channeler, but you know, he's, he was a prophet and he was a teacher. Clear Heart Song and so forth. And all of us, and you, and me, and anyone who starts tuning into Mother Mary, she is available. She is here as a very high, holy, divine being. Because of all of her lifetimes of work, she has been able to ascend to full goddesshood on the other side. And so, Every individual can access her at, at, at any time. And you choose to do this upon occasions yes. because you have this strong resonance with Mary. Yes, and I never thought that I would. Well, okay, so we were talking, we've been talking off camera about yeah. some of the events that have happened in your life by calling upon this energy. And yeah. one of them, I just, I said, you have to share this when we're on camera because it, it's so literal. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so literal. It's so literal. So here you say you've been house hunting, okay? Yeah. House hunting, you've looked at probably a, a hundred houses by right. now, right? <laughs> finally, it's like, please. Mother Mary, would you please help me find my abode? Please, please, please. I want to find my home. Right? So you go through this process. So you pick yeah. the story up. And give me a sign. And give me a sign. <laughs> okay. It's, I always feel guilty saying, give me a sign. You know, like, 
I don't like to test the deities that way, right? But you no, know, you just wanted reassurance. I wanted and reassurance, right? And I said it in a nice way. If you were buying the wrong house, <laughs> <Right>. okay. <laughs> right. And this, mind you, is the third miracle. So if we have time, we can talk about the other two oh, miracles we'll have a that I've bit had. Of time to do okay. that. Yeah, let's talk about. Well, this, this one is the third bit. miracle that that has recently happened. So me with my little modest amount of money that I can do this for, I go into this one house and. It's cute right off the bat. It's a fairy house on top of it all. You know, it looks like a little fairy house. And so I notice, the long story short is that the realtor ends up taking me into the, the woman's office. And essentially there's a shrine there to Mary. Okay, now this is in the house you're looking in at. In the house. Which they weren't even listing, really. They weren't even listing it. But they it, were it nice enough to show you the house next door yeah, for sale. Yeah, they were showing me. Okay. So there were anomalies to begin anomalies, with. Anomalies, okay. Right. And so I walk in and there's basically a shrine to Jesus with the Sacred Heart. The Pieta is there and I'm like, well, okay. I didn't first get it with the Pieta, even though I... Because it's relatively common, common if you're a Catholic, yeah. yeah. But what is there? A laminated prayer card with Jesus and Mary with the Sacred Heart, the exact one that I have, the exact one that is my traveling altar prayer card for, for years now, and the only one that I took with me on my writing sabbatical in the last year. And I was like, oh, 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 <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, she wants me to live here. It was a little farther out than I thought. But she wants me to live in this house. That's my clear sign. And there were other signs. The seller's name is Mary. She has a <laughs> devotion to Mary. You know, we start talking it. and, you know, she didn't even show it to anyone else. I love it. And you have your home. I have my home. Your cute little home that yeah. you get to pour your love into. Yes, So that, that's the miracle number three, as N you say. Miracle number so three. So let's talk about miracles number yeah. one and two. And it is important because what I'm calling the resurrection of Mary we need to know that she's alive, living presence. She's not this sort of boring, sexless, you know, that's why I was <laughs> arm's length with her for years because I thought, well, who wants to be associated with that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and everyone could get with Mary Magdalene a lot easier because mm -hmm. she's sexy, <laughs> the sexy one, right? But now Mary is coming in. Well, um, I had surgery on an ovary a couple of years ago to have a cyst removed, benign, thankfully. But when I woke up in the recovery room, I had the overwhelming sense of Mother Mary being there. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she's real. <laughs> right? Because she was theoretical are, in a sense. Yeah, theoretical that. Yeah. until you have an altered state experience, mm -hmm. right? Or mm -hmm. a series of synchronicities that start getting really interesting. So that was my first one, my presence, feeling her. The second one was fast forward to a year and a half later. Uh-oh, there's another lump on mm -hmm. my ovary, same ovary, and they're palpating it and feeling it, and I get my first ultrasound, and it's there, and it says, finding significant, and I'm, you know, completely freaking out now at mm -hmm. this point, and I said, okay, what do I need to do? So I decided, all right, I've got to start doing the holy womb chakra practices. I, I, I went into a meditation, and, and basically I was shown, well, you know, this is not about you're going to get sick. This is about you need to start paying attention to your womb finally, Miss Brainiac. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so I will. Get out of your head and get into your body. Get out of your head and into your actual womb. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing these practices that I'm going to be teaching people. And I did the main mantra, the Mula Mantra, and I started envisioning Mary's womb merging with mine. And then I kind of 
forgot that I had asked for a healing and I, I, I was going in for a second ultrasound and, and all this and the doctor comes in all flustered and he, he's looking at the paper saying, well, there's nothing on your ovary. And of course, in that moment, it all really came together for me because I thought, whoa, okay, this stuff is real. She's real. The holy womb chakra practices are real. The visualization of she's serious business here about women's wombs. I was meant to have this miracle so that I could speak with authority about her and about these, these processes. Yeah. And then, you know, she, through grace, you know, helped me to find my home. So. And so, um, these, so these are really visceral for you and, yeah. and literal. And yeah. so let's talk now about the ways in which people, I mean, people are free to access guides. Yeah. Divine beings of their choosing, in a sense, if they relate strongly, they can call upon whomever it is they strongly relate to. But in this case with Mary, let's talk about, in, in just in your own experience, perhaps the most grace-filled way to interact with Mary and to receive uh, information, wisdom, healing, if we want to go into a relationship with, with Mother Mary. Oh, that's just such a wonderful question. Um, I would say that you basically don't need anything except an open heart, you know, the, the, at the simplest level. Mm -hmm. An open heart and a clear request. Mother Mary, I'm curious about you. Could we begin or deepen a relationship? And keep asking that and then just be open to the signs that start happening in your life and pay attention to anything having to do with her. Go into meditation, see if, if you're going to speak with her or there are going to be messages when you become quiet that come through to you. That would be the simplest way that I would say. You can go to shrines and places where she is known to have come, and even though there have been overlays of some energies that we might not be so thrilled about, there are shrines all over the world where you can go and feel that energy touch with her because she comes through those places. She really does. She comes through churches. You know, go to that beautiful Catholic church, that Notre Dame, that whatever. Sit and and absorb her energy. Educate yourself because the more because right brain goes with left brain, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the more you the more you do one, the more you open to the other and then it's a figure eight and suddenly you're getting far more inspirations because you've been looking at the information. And then when you're meditating, you get far more, you know, you can access what's in the, the intellectual information far more because you're open. Yes. Right? So that's, that's the long story. It about is. That. And, and each one of us has our own relationship with the unseen realms. Mm -hmm. And I think most people watching this right now have their own relationships. And this is kind of like having another wonderfully, you know, wonderful, beautiful entity tool in your own basket. We, I have, I, I have a couple that are big, tall blue beings, right? And so I just talk, call them the blue guys, right? The big yeah. blue guys. But I have to say, the biggest problem in my life has been me never the guidance. The guidance is fabulous. They make things happen that are miraculous all the time. However, I don't think to ask, and this is a really big one. I think here as human beings, our left brain has been so dominant for so long. We think it's up to us to buck up and handle it and make things happen um, yeah. with our cognitive skills and so forth. 
And I think we're in a period of such challenge now. We really have to start opening back up with a sense of humility and also absolute knowledge and faith that we are surrounded by wonderful beings who are here to help us. Definitely. Every one of us. We have our own. We have collectives. We have great overarching beings like Mary yeah. and others that we can call upon. All we have to do is ask. Definitely. And we and forget to ask. We do. And, and I feel like this is, this is an era in which we are opening to Magdalene. We are opening to Christ in a different way. We are opening to Mary in a different way. We are reclaiming who they are, essentially, aside from any programming and control that has gone. And she is an extremely high-level being because she has done what so many people are wanting to do, which is to ascend, mm -hmm. to be become one with goddess. Yes. And so she's available. She's available as that goddess who has had many human lifetimes, so she understands us. And it really is all about asking. It is. And even if we want to help her, you know, fill the role of, role of realtor, if we're getting turfed <laughs> out of our homes, we'll all need a little Mother Mary help in finding new abodes these days. That's Any right. final thoughts before we say goodbye? I would just say she's available. Yeah. She's available, and I think that it is important to understand her divine birth, that this was a real thing, that it was something that is possible for women today as well. Because as we start looking backward and seeing, well, what did they do? What was this all about? Then we start looking into how are women conceiving today? What other kinds of high practices can we bring in? Because I think we would all agree that we could use a few good avatars right now, correct? Yes, absolutely. And I think oftentimes people get tripped up thinking, well, if she was such an illustrious being, why did she incarnate? No. First of all, it's interesting in the Hermetic studies that they, they literally state that the beings that we consider to be the angelic realm actually will bow before a human for the journey they've been through because it's so much more difficult, so much more resistance coming through earth life yeah. to this place of ascended consciousness. It's something that those other realms often haven't experienced yet. Yeah. Some choose to and some don't. And those who choose to are revered because that's the tough work. We humans here doing this on earth and at this time, this is a hero's journey. Yeah, and I have at times felt Mother Mary in a way honoring me mm -hmm. as well. You're doing the hard work and, now. And I have, I have sensed her honoring others. Mm -hmm. It's really a remarkable reciprocal situation. Because it's she's been one. through it. Yeah. And she knows how difficult the earth journey is compared to being in finer realms where you don't have that kind of resistance. Yes, and she knows that it's right now mission on for yes, everyone. for everyone. It's on for all of us. Marguerite, thank you so much. You're doing mm -hmm. some beautiful work. And thank you for bringing us this whole other vision of this entity that we can all call upon. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the work you've done. Thank you. You can go to Marguerite's site at sevensistersmysteryschool.com to learn more about her courses and her books. Also, to get to know a little bit more about her work, you can go to our previous interview here at Gaia in the archives. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. 
belong. Transform. Transform.